Because it feels like it's no time at all has passed, or because yeah, you can't feels believe it's like, it's like 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it was a quick one. Uh, but I don't know. I've always been of the mind that each successive minute of your life moves faster than the previous one, you know? Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um, maybe it's really stepping on the gas right now. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know, I. Uh, I believe at least one of the entertainment products we uh, consumed this week said that time has lost all meaning, and uh, I'm not necessarily going to argue with that. <laughs> Which one was that? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. I feel like was that someone was like we're traveling in a the time machine worked. What was I? Oh no, you know what? It was just media I consumed, not not media you consumed. I was going to say that doesn't. I was trying to think. I'm like is. Is this a weird statement about Saltburn? Nope it was uh, it was definitely part of the Fish New Year's Eve show. <laughs> but he yes. wasn't wrong. Time has lost all. I years. can imagine that the Fish New Year's Eve show time is just a construct. Yeah, yeah for sure, absolutely. <laughs> uh, did you do anything else fun for New Year's? Uh, we had a little. We had a um, get together, uh, but geared towards the the littles. So we had a couple of friends of uh, our children over with what well, really friends of ours who happen to have children in the general vicinity of ours age wise uh, and everyone was home in more than enough time for me to watch the uh, pretty much the entirety of the fish show on my computer while everybody in the house slept sweet yeah I mean to you yeah it was a good time you know it's uh watch the kids play till seven eight o'clock maybe Send everybody home and uh, pack it in. Uh, I went to see LCD Sound System, which was decidedly not for the, not geared around the little ones. No, but I I would have enjoyed that as well. I bet that was great. It it was lovely. It was lovely. Two nights in a row, and uh, I didn't repeat a ton of stuff from one night to the next, which uh, is always appreciated. Nice. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, a couple couple really good shows. That was fun. Uh, all right, should we get into some culture? Do you want to actually? We should probably start with the challenge because I feel like this is the more one of the more eventful challenge episodes, uh, uh, at least in the last few weeks. Yeah, sure, we can do it. Um, I gotta say, even though it was eventful, I I think I've just I've reached my peak frustration with the, the what this season is and has become and I'm just so disappointed in everybody involved in it and uh, I don't know man like pussies is that what, is that what, uh, what was at that? Least, at least Corey knows at least Corey was willing to just admit it yeah <laughs> yeah. but it's not even just to, like okay it's easy to be like I'm gonna vote for you because I'm a pussy but you're, you're you still did it so 
like congratulations on calling yourself a name. I'm not saying that that was a momentous achievement. He was correct in his assessment. Yeah, I guess, but it's not even was honest about it. Right. It's not even just that they're being chicken. It's that, like, what do they? What do they even think they're doing? Well, that's the thing. It's like, and and I I think people got pretty. Maybe Colleen got the closest to verbalizing it, but no one just sat up in that you know deliberation. And made the speech of, hey, guys, I know a bunch of you think that you are super set in the alliance that you're in. Right. But there's clearly, obviously, four people. Right. I kind of think we all know who they are. And chances are, if you're not in that four, like, maybe it benefits you to say someone else's name right now. But pretty soon... They'll be turning their attention to you, and they're going to start picking you off one by one. So maybe now is the time to take a look at whether you're really in that core four or not. And if you are not, maybe it's time to stop letting these people who have literally won nothing all season and never go in uh, continue to skate. Now, we wound up getting one of those people, of course, in elimination this week. Yeah. And once again, we we take a champion and give them a game that involves their biggest flaw. That's right. And then we're surprised that it doesn't know what goes on. I, and, I don't. What are we doing? Well, what are it, we doing? It's as if the goal is to show you that the champion could very easily dispatch with this contender, given the right environment, and then flip it on them so that they lose. Yeah. Like what? When when they come out of the gates, Michelle and Cara Maria. And by the way, I I just I one thing one positive thing I do want to say about this episode is that bringing Cara Maria into this infuriating environment that has created so much mediocre TV in my view is a reminder that much as she may have annoyed me at times, she's tremendous television with uh, this season could desperately use a Cara Maria in it right now. It needs her so bad. And she really brought the Boston accent this time, too. You know? She really leaned into the Boston accent. That is in my notes, yes. In fact, my my wife, who is not as, you know, insanely nerdy, was like, is she doing, like, a weird accent? And I was like, well, it's a Boston accent, and she's always been from Boston, but she's definitely doing it more. <laughs> um, so, yes, that I noticed that. But so much of what she did, first of all, her stats, way better than I would have guest i that's what I, I like i have tried to tell you man like car maria is a giant in this game you i know, know I mean? she's a giant in the game but like i i'm not sure i realized that her her i still remember i think part of this is being like a longtime challenge guy hurts me here because i still remember remember early car maria who was a bit of a basket case right and i guess i just didn't realize that she had been badass Cara Maria for so much longer than she was basket case Cara Maria uh, at this point, right? Like, it just didn't occur to me how many seasons she'd done where she'd been an absolute badass as opposed to the first two or three where she wasn't. Um, First champion, man. Like, being a field of men. I know. She's great. And she came in on full tilt. She gets the goddamn game. She understands the assignment. She had a million-dollar smile when that mace came out of the sand. Like, just the entire performance (laughs) from the moment she walked into the sand to the moment she pulled the mace was just peak challenge champion 
you know, all the things that go into being a challenge champion on top of being a badass in the ring. She has it all. And my burn of the week this week, and God damn it, it didn't follow through because she didn't win. But Michelle needed, and it didn't work because Michelle's egomania is out of control and she'll never understand her actual place in this game. But she needed a champion to come in and say, hey, orange shirt. Because the way she talks, like, I just know Cara Maria is coming in for me. Bitch, she does not know your name. She doesn't know who you are. Like, people... No. And and it's the same thing. Like, the whole Laurel feud, if, if you think back, what really happened is Michelle's paranoia was rampant and she repeatedly accused Laurel of coming after her when Laurel literally was like, who are you? Until finally Laurel got pissed. <laughs> and like, just the fact that we, Michelle, say, it takes a lot. <laughs> I know. And she's just like, she was coming for me. She doesn't know your name. She doesn't care about you. And I just, I don't understand who this season is for anymore. I don't understand the goal from a production standpoint of what is happening. And I, I don't understand how th- this entire house is like hypnotized yeah, why by are they Jay and Michelle, who they, are like, not charismatic. Like, they all think they're in the Fantastic Four. I don't you know what get it. But those, <laughs> and, like, you're not. It's not. Clearly, and, it's not. And and like. I've watched challengers who are charismatic enough to convince me. You know what I mean? And that's not Jay and Michelle. Yeah. Like I don't know, man. If if, if I could like, you know, bring the camera in, you know what I mean? I, I'd like want to have a little talk with Horacio Norris. Cause those two are enough on the inside. Um or Ed. I, I would say if anyone's in the four, it's, it's Nerese. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those two, I think, could team up with a lot of the people who are on the fringes of this alliance and and kick those three out real quick. Like, you know what I mean? And okay, it seems, but- certainly seems like Nerese and Olivia are about to battle, if not of this season, then in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, but exactly. Okay. This is exactly the point, though. Like, yes, Horacio and Nerese. You know, they've got, like, sort of a power couple standing where it feels like they could do that. But, like, what is Ed's thought process? Yeah, Ed's a great one. Ed's a great because one. Because he's clearly not an idiot. Yeah. And yet, yeah. I don't understand what he thinks is about to happen. Like, he's he, he's got to realize he's next. Yeah. Like, they're going to, you're not, they're going to stop looking out for you. So exactly. Many of these exactly. Exactly. I see it coming, and it's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, and Asaf may be further inside than Ed, but but nevertheless, like, Emmanuel, Ed, Corey, all of these dudes, I just can't believe that Jay and Michelle have them convinced that they're all on the inside. I don't I don't know how Jay and Michelle, the, the characters that I have seen over the course of several seasons now, could be clever and sneaky and charismatic enough to pull this off it makes no sense to me and one thing i wrote that i think maybe is part of this is <laughs> and excuse my language and i apologize if any of these people's parents are listening but there are so many bad 
dumbs here. Mm. Not enough fun dumbs. We need the, the dumbs should be fun. The people who 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 are trying to run the game, they can't be dumbs. They can't just be bad dumbs. And that's what these people are. They're all dumb. And it's driving me nuts. And I know that some of the people on the fringes are smarter than them. And I can't understand why they don't do something. Right. Like, it, you know, they need to be explicitly explaining this to the dum-dums. <laughs> yes. Like, like, ostensibly, Raven is in this alliance. And they put her oh in God. three Every weeks time. Yeah, like, wait, what do you, I don't understand what they think this is getting them, other than, like, well, right now we're not the easiest. Right, and then Jay, on top of it mean? all, Jay and Michelle both then fill the episodes with delusional ITMs about nothing. And it, yeah. it, I honestly, I, <laughs> I can't remember being this disinterested in watching most of each episode of the challenge because there is so much of jay jay had the ridiculous audacity to say in an itm in this last episode that he got horacio and olivia through because he liked olivia in the ride or die season when in actuality they got through because horacio won five eliminations He did. He did say that. He's like he did all that stuff, but everything else was you. <laughs> like, what is wrong with this guy? Uh, I, and why do I, people I, listen to him? I don't know. I think oh. he's got like power of people. I guess it's I don't very know. Very weird. Maybe it's the hair. Honestly, he didn't name a new champion at this point. I'm, I wouldn't be disappointed. I think I'd, I'd like that more. If TJ was just like, man, nah, none of you guys deserve to be champion. <laughs> like, I think I think I'd be okay with it. I'm, or maybe maybe it'll be like the. <sighs> The first season of uh, Challenge USA, where basically everybody quits in the final. That, that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, except we know that like there are there are people here who won't do that, right? So I I, I am not. I actually, I I still actually think there's a pretty good chance we get a reasonably deserving new champion. I just there is not. Let me ask you this. Let's just. Is there any? Let's talk about the the remaining men in this house. Okay. How many would you favor Jay over in a final? <sighs> two. I get two right now. Yeah, maybe one or two would be my answer. Horacio and um, uh, Kylan. Oh, you're you're saying you would favor over Jay? Yeah. You wouldn't favor Emmanuel over Jay in a final? I would, I would not. Oh, I would. Um, I think James I think, and... I do think Jay, whatever Jay does, I think it's actually pretty well suited to a final. Like, I think he's... The distance and the climbing, I think he, I think he's all right at eating and puzzles. Like I think, he, I think he'd be decent in a final. Yeah, I think he'd be decent. But I think Horacio and Kylan would be great. I think Emmanuel yeah. has a chance to be better than decent. Um, yeah, and I, I think, I, I would. Could I see Emmanuel beating Jay? Yes, but right. I don't know that I would like favorite. I think they're about equal. Well, you know my what I mean? point is just I have him in the middle of the pack. Yeah. Right, and I don't think he's gonna be able to get the top of the pack out of this game. And by the way, like 
all that is just the pure final stuff. If there's some weird quirk in the final where he has to do something physical against Corey or James, he can't take them either. So Jay is far yeah, from I'm, a favorite. I have some real worries about James in the final just based on, well, the, on exactly. We're, we're worried Corey, about stamina for both yeah. Corey and James, and that's why I think we have them at the bottom of a, of a finals ranking. But they're both much stronger than Jay, and I don't think he's smarter than either of them. So, <laughs> no, I, like, no one's smarter than anyone of this season anymore. Yeah, well, I do think James is a little smarter than most of these people, actually. But uh, <laughs> let's put that to the side. Okay. On the women's side, I got Michelle at the bottom. I don't yeah. have any single person that I would think couldn't beat Michelle in a final in this game right now. Like, look, I, you have to say fair play to her. She she won that, like, you know, I mean, look, she had some help with the puzzle, but she she beat a, a, an all-time champ in that elimination. Like, you can't take that away, right? Like, a fair, fair play to her. But I guess. I don't know what she's good at. Because, I, I, like, she's, you know, puzzle queen my ass. You know what I mean? Like, good for you, but I'll, I'll, you I know, think I'll we take know exactly like, what she's in a puzzle good at. Contest, you know what I'm saying? Yes, I, we know exactly what she's good at. We don't understand it, but she's obviously good at, like, making friends. Yeah, creating <laughs> her own clout within the house. She, yep. she creates her own political clout, and it doesn't make any sense from the outside, but it's clearly something she's capable of because this is not the first time she's done it. It's the most successful, but this is her – this is how she plays. And I hey, think – look, she, she – I don't – I didn't see her season. I don't watch the show. She did win Survivor, so I'm assuming that she has some kind of will stamina, right? Like, you know uh -huh. what I mean? Yes, a will, sure, but I do think a huge – and I also don't watch it, so someone could correct us on this. But I do think a huge part of Survivor is coalition building, right? Correct. So, yeah. obviously, she's an expert coalition builder. Um, that said, that does you no good in the final. None. Zero. There's zero points for coalition building in a final at the challenge. You have to compete. And yeah. she both doesn't want to compete and then – I would argue doesn't compete super well because even though she ended up beating Cara Maria, it was because Cara Maria like threw a bunch of blocks around like she was Godzilla and then stared at them like a doofus because she couldn't do the puzzle. <laughs> she did stare like a doofus. Oh, she just man, kept shaking her that? head like, I don't know, man. <laughs> and like, again, perfect illustration of why do this if you're in production. Like, Right. No one wants to see Carmaria staring blankly at a puzzle. Exactly. We want to see her throw the pieces we, around. We, we got to get rid of, got find new ways to get rid of these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, there's 16 like, people here. To cut the numbers down. Let's go. I, like, I, I don't know if there's going to be a purge between chaos and the next session, but I don't even think there's any lady champions left to visit. How are they going to knock the women out of this game? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We still got I, we still got CT though, and Brad. There's there's I believe there's two dudes. But I there's think, got one more girl we're not thinking about. I think all the women that were originally announced as return at you know champion vigilantes or whatever the hell they're calling them um, have come. Now that doesn't maybe they're going to surprise us, uh, but I I I think it was the whole list. Are you looking it up right yeah, I don't now? Know. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Trying to see, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I I have a list here, and the champions that 
that I see are Kaz, Casey, Tori, Laurel, and Car Maria. And then on the men's side, it's um, Devin, Jordan, Darrell, CT, and Brad. So we've had all five of the women and only three of the five men. Yep, yep. Seen all those. Yep. Yeah, I think that's right. All right. So, well, how we get rid of all these women? <laughs> I don't know, man. It's the, the season's in a weird spot, and and I, it's just, yeah, it's it's a it's a frustrating situation. And and I do think part of the problem has been as exciting as the idea of bringing in champs and knocking people out is, like, it muddies the gameplay in a weird way because it is so much harder to actually get someone thrown into an elimination for real. If that uh, makes yeah. sense. Yes, it is, right? Like, you take a shot at someone, and it's basically a one-third chance that they're even going to go down there. Right, exactly. Right? Exactly. And then they got a 50% chance of coming back from that. So, yep. Uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, it is tough. And I, I'm assuming that changes in the third portion of this game. I guess. So. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I just think people need to, to wise up and, and some people need to stop coasting. Yes. I just, maybe you ought to be embarrassed by this season. Yeah. And honestly, like her heel turn against Horacio is just weird and it just smells like jealousy. It's yeah, bizarre. Cause it's all like, he's been low to her in the game. It's all just, hey, he doesn't hang out with me. Yeah. It, but that's super weird. He's not dating you. Like you guys are friends. I don't understand. And and also she's she hasn't said word one to him about it. She's right. just running around right. the house talking she's, shit. <laughs> I know the house that he's in for, at that moment. You know what I mean? Very bizarre. And the weird thing is, it's like it's mostly that he's jealous of Zara. It's not even of Nerese. <laughs> right, but also she's talking to Norris a lot of the time, so I just wonder if like that's the way she is choosing to express her unresolved feelings. I don't know. It's a weird scene, and I have always been an Olivia fan, and I'm I'm not a fan of this, so I'm I'm not loving it. No, no I know whose who's side I'll be picking in the in the feud. Yeah, for sure. It's a pretty easy choice at this point. Sure is. <laughs> hey, all right. Well. Look, man, what uh, I'd love to see next week is CT come in, get revenge against Jay, who loves to talk about how he beat CT in an elimination, and shake this house up a little bit. Yeah, that would that would be delightful. Don't you think it's going to be Brad next week, then, if Brad's still left? <sighs> yeah, they probably save CT for last, but you never know. But And I just hope Brad does something crazy, which is <laughs> seems reasonable. <laughs> yep, fingers crossed, because that, that feels like the best outcome there. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, let's get on to let's get on to stuff we watch. You want to start with Chappelle because I don't think that there's like all that much to add, honestly. On on Chappelle, like, um, he's gonna keep doing the trans jokes. Just, just you know, you know, like him, don't like him, know this. It's gonna he's going to keep doing them. And it's pretty clear that he's doing them 
you know, because he's getting off on pissing people off, right? Like that is, is it, that uh, you know, for it at this point. Uh, maybe I something occurred to me here, and and you might be right that there's not a lot to add, but I, I do feel like I had a personal revelation might be strong, but uh, jump in understanding. I I just think he's. I think what gets Dave Chappelle out of bed to to do stand-up at this point is touching the third rail. I Yeah, I that's just, a good way to put it. I'm just not sure there's any value for him in doing stand-up that doesn't provoke somebody somewhere pretty pretty significantly and i think the closest he can get to not that is the way he ended this and i and i guess the other thing i would say is i do think we've reached a point with the trans jokes that he is doing that it's it's a bit of a stretch to argue that any jokes Dave Chappelle made in this special, The Dreamer, are doing real-world damage to the trans community, I think. And maybe I'm... Maybe that's... Look, it's, that's obviously easy for me to say as a straight white man. Um, but also, like, he is. It, he's just doing it with such a wink at the camera in, like, a... That one piss you off? You mad now? kind of yeah. way that like it's just not I don't and the whole po- I, like I laughed a lot watching this I don't know about you um, the trans jokes are generally the weakest jokes in his specials over the last couple and yeah. I think that probably stands true still um, but also I I don't get the feeling he's trying so hard to make trans jokes other than to make sure he does it to touch that third rail again. Like, they're not overly creative. He just, like, it's like a callback he keeps going back to just because he can't help himself. And I'm not... That's exactly what it is. It's a callback, basically, at this point. Yeah. And I'm not going to get incensed about it because most of what he does is still insightful and funny and I'm just going to agree to disagree with him on trans issues. And honestly, I don't think we sh- we disagree uh, like politically so much on trans issues. I think he just, again, I don't think Dave Chappelle wants to deny trans people rights. I think he just can't help poking the bear. And maybe that is me letting myself off the hook for wanting to enjoy a Dave Chappelle special. But that that's how I feel about it at this point. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that, um, yeah, and like, you you know, and, and I, I almost regret starting that with the trans thing, because I think if you're just reducing this to Dave Chappelle, transphobic comedian, you know what I mean? Right. Um, in the way that maybe you could reduce J.K. Rowling, transphobic author at this point. Right. Um, you know, then you're not, you're not really watching what he's doing. You know what right. I mean? Because I do think there's a difference. There. I right. think I'm glad you brought her up. Because I think J.K. Rowling is actively attempting to damage the trans community at all times. Yes. And I don't see that. 
from Dave Chappelle. And again, maybe I'm misinformed or missing something. But I just see a guy who kind of said what he believes, which is, I don't get it. It's weird to me. And I understand that that is not nice for trans people to hear. And it's not a nice thing to say. But at this point, I... Again, I, I don't see him doing work against the trans community. I just see a guy who found a, a soft spot and can't help poking it at every opportunity. Yeah. And then around yeah. all that is like a Dave Chappelle comedy special. And those have always been some of my favorite things. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can't really disagree with any of that. I think that um, he's not a guy, like, I don't know. If you're watching these shows, not a guy with a lot of hate. You know what no. I mean? I think it's hard for, I don't know. I understand if it pisses you off. I do, too. Uh, and I'm not going to blame anyone for not wanting to watch it. But, like, for me, I, I, I tried to think about, like, Dave Chappelle has made, Jewish jokes uh, and almost invariably I find them hilarious and I tried to now look part of this and I think a huge part of it is the power dynamic thing right but even that like I, you just can't watch this and think he's dumb enough to not understand the power dynamic yeah. you know he talks it's okay a whole, not like any like to, you don't have to like all the jokes, man. You just don't. You just <laughs> don't. Stop them by you first. That's okay. Um, <sighs> yeah. So anyway, I thought he was funny, and and that you know, for the very most part, the jokes in the special were clever, and even the ones that make me groan, like I do think that, th and this this might be at odds with. Some of my uh, moralizing at other times. I don't know. I'm a hypocrite. What can I say? But sometimes for a stand-up comedian, the important thing is that it's funny. And if it's funny, as long as you're not, you know, actively harming people or promoting violence in some legitimate way, like... I'm I'm going to excuse I, like if you make me laugh despite being offensive like that that works for me and I know it doesn't work for everybody but I do think that kind of stand up provides value. Yep. Um I want to talk about Saltburn. Okay. I do think also by the way like you know, I'm feeling emboldened because, uh, you know, the odds that anybody who would be upset at me here would hear this podcast are pretty small. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. Although you never know. Maybe I'll play it for people and just see who gets mad. I think you uh, should. Look, at this point, any any buzz is good buzz for me, I think. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> we can be the new Ricky Gervaisis. There we go. Uh, <laughs> I want to know what the fuck you thought of Saltburn because I have no idea what the fuck I thought of Saltburn. Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Well, I was hoping you would tell me what to think. Um, <laughs> here's what I can tell you. I was whatever the, whatever phrase you want to use on the edge of my seat, glued to the screen, 
mesmerized, locked in. I can tell you, I think every single person in this film did exactly what they were supposed to do and did it beautifully. I think the acting was like kind of sublime and and I came in ready to be like, I don't want to ever watch something Jacob Elordi is in again. And I thought he was nuanced and kind of wonderful as an actor in this film. I found it beautiful on my screen. I thought it created some intense moments of, in a variety of ways with intense feelings, with like intense tension, with some like elements of thriller or not quite horror, but, but like the impending doom that horror films sometimes have. And also just some tremendous summertime rich people frolicking in the sun moments. There are, there's so much in this film and ultimately I am confounded by it. Um, and I am, I think I've established myself in recent times on this podcast as someone who often wants to believe that the film is on the side of good and righteousness. And this film is very deliberately not giving me that satisfaction. No, no. And I don't quite know what to think, but I can't be too mad because the experience was really rather spectacular. Um, all right. <laughs> that was I'm still more of in a haze of what the fuck. <laughs> I mean what what is this? Does does the actual like machinations of this plot hold up does that even matter in in any way shape or form um i look i do think the performances are are pretty good and and um lustful i would say the love it's lustfully acted yes uh with a bunch of people acting lustfully yes that makes sense that's true but very little of it made sense to me as i was watching it and i'm still um i'm just left in a big fog of huh (laughs) <laughs> it is confounding. And I, I think I watched it in a couple of contexts that helped me uh, make sense of it. One is in the context of Promising Young Woman, um, which, you know, is Emerald Fidel's sort of breakout, right? And really, that movie was a sort of Tarantino-esque revenge fantasy fulfillment, right? Yep. And I think in part because of that, from the very beginning, we're going to have to do some spoiling here, by the way. So, uh, look, man, I I would recommend watching this movie, even if, uh, but perhaps with the, with the pre-watch acceptance that you may finish it and, and feel like Derek does right now, like, what the fuck? Um, Because I do think that's a very reasonable reaction to the film. Uh, So anyway, the first context would be, I think I kind of was reading it from the beginning as a proactive revenge fantasy, right? Poor kid plays the rich man's game, worms his way into the rich man's home, wreaks havoc sort of thing, right? Right. Obviously, things that transpire and come out over the course of this movie flip that on its head a little bit. 
um, and make it harder to process in that context. And I think the other the other context that sort of helped me understand it in that same way is just I thought a lot about Gossip Girl when I was watching this. And spoiler alert: the ultimate uh, sort of conclusion of Gossip Girl is that to truly belong in this world of tremendous excess that that certainly the family in this film exists in you have to become their kind of monster basically you got to drink a little semen you got to slurp a little semen but also you have to become a psychopath you have to you have to take on a the, the sort of psychopathy that defines this weird ultra rich world and I think that probably led to me giving the main character of this film more of the benefit of the doubt than he deserved over the course of the film. Um, and certainly, like, I, I was not shocked at how it ended, but I was... I don't... It's like, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's, is it Keegan... Is that, how, is that how you said the lead actor's name? I was wondering if it's like Kewen or Keegan, but he's, Kewen, I think Kewen. he's spectacular, man. I I don't know, man. <laughs> and, and, and I think it's largely because uh, I've seen him in two things, and, and, and the first thing I just so despise so thoroughly, and then he's just so fucking... Uh, Weird? grimy in this weird yeah. and, grimy. and such a dick in that other movie i just yeah. like I've, I've got like it's almost like uh like the kid that played uh, joffrey you know, <laughs> you know right. what i mean like like i just see his face and i have a visceral like i want to punch you reaction you know well, what I'll i mean say, didn't didn't joffrey uh bring himself back a little bit with that uh goofy pothead role in um what was it in in uh Oh, God, we just watched it. Hold on. I'm going to figure this out. Um, it was in Sex Education, where he was dodgy mo. I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. You got to go back to those episodes. Dodgy mo is King Joffrey. I, it really oh. it brought me back. I'm prepared now to call him uh, Jack Gleason, who's just an actor that did a really good job as a child portraying a... Yeah. a uh, like uh, Hellion, but I think it's probably that Barry Kewin or whatever his name is acting the fuck out of all of this stuff. That's what I'm it. saying. I just think he's excellent, and but. and this is really a weird role. It's really yeah. as weird a role as I can remember watching in any film. Like the so the, was the know, horrible donkey show movie. What was that? What was that movie called? Which one? Uh, fuck Colin Farrell and his donkey. Oh yeah, the uh, Banshees of Inisherin. Oh God! Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah. also, I mean, I think worth pointing out, he was like a sad, disabled boy in that film, and he's a you know quiet psychopath in this one. So two extremely different roles, uh, in yeah. both of which he's extremely convincing. Yeah. Didn't really have the gift of conversation in either one. Uh no, no. That's an interesting point. But for me, look, I'm I'm not going to. This is certainly not a movie for everybody. It is way out there, but I did just think every element of it was executed so well that like 
as confounding as I found it at many turns and certainly as uh, straight up disgusting as some of it was. I, like, I'm not too upset. I'm, I'm glad I saw it. It was an experience. It definitely is an I would I, I, I would will give you that as definitely an experience. Um, it, it yes, <laughs> that quite washed over you. It is uh, yeah. I look it's a, it's a for me it was a challenging film. I don't mind a challenging film every now and again. And you know so. what? In that way, I think I I you know since you brought up the Banshees of Inisherin, I think it makes an important distinction between your reactions in that like. You just weren't fucking with the Banshees of Inisherin, and this one is just difficult and a lot and bizarre. But I will see not, the Banshees cheering into hell. Right. This is not worthless in your even in your mind. No, I'm not mad at this. Yeah. I just I I'm bewildered by it. I'm not it's bewildering, and I I just gotta say like her. Her visions are bizarre. I think even Promising Young Woman, we could say, was bizarre in, it, in its own right. But uh, she has a very specific vision, Emerald Fennell, and I think she executes it very well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I, I feel like uh, the holdovers, <laughs> a, little bit, <laughs> a little bit easier to get your arms around. I, uh, I, I just, I, I almost... I <laughs> I almost just want to say, just watch this movie. It's just a good movie. Uh, this is actually, uh, like, I think for Alexander Payne, this is sort of on the bright side. I think it's a pretty pretty lighthearted, as Alexander Payne films go. Um, so if people yeah, are, uh, he, does, he will use some humor. He always you know uses I mean? humor, but many of his humorous pieces are significantly darker than this. Um and there's a lot of darkness in the characters here, but ultimately, I think it's a pretty hopeful movie. Agreed. And I just thought it was lovely. Um, incredibly well written, very well acted, quirky but enjoyable characters. To your point last week, Paul Giamatti is exactly the character you expect him to be in this film, and I thought he was perfect, and I just was very and I think happy the movie at the end. That, by the way, like your expectation. Yes, a little bit. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think by the end of it, I was just happy. And and the two reactions I had were like, "I'm happy I watched that. What a good what a good movie." And then, and wait, can I guess the second one? Yes. They don't make them like that anymore. Um, I mean, I think that was part of the first one because the second one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the second one was uh, Divine Joy Randolph. My goodness, what a talent. yeah. I don't like. I mean, I'm glad to see she's getting some Oscar buzz because I don't know how this movie works without her. You know no, what I mean? She's, she's excellent. And, and this felt very against type based on what we've seen from her in the past. And I just thought she was spectacular. Yep. Uh, you know, like there's a moment where, you know, they're, those two, they're in this kind of general battle of egos in which they're saying horrible things to each other. Yeah. And she just turns to me and she's like, what are you doing? You can't tell a kid has been left behind at Christmas that no one wants to be around them. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Paul Giamatti's character, who argues literally just about everything, you know what I mean? In that moment, is like, oh, yeah, I really just screwed that up. You know what I mean? And, um, like, she's so often kind of the heart of this film, even when she's sort of having her own breakdowns and struggles. You know what I mean? Um, and it, it, it's so great, you know, because you're, 
seeing a character, um, you know, richly, deeply displayed, who I think is so clearly just sort of overlooked by so many people who interact with her on a daily basis, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that is one of the things, among many things, that make this just a beautiful little movie, and everybody should watch it. It was really good. Yeah, yeah, it is start to finish. And then uh, Alexander Payne's built up a pretty damn good library. He really has. He really yeah. has. Um, and, and yeah, I think, again, you know, if you're, like, someone who watched about Schmidt or, like, was it Nebraska was the other one? Where, and you just were like, I'm not sure I'm ready to be that sad. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this leaves you in a happier place. Sideways, another one. Yeah, Sideways was a little more fun. This is closer to the Sideways, uh, Alexander Payne, I think. And, and I, for one, enjoy that one more. But just in general, a great movie. Strong recommend. Uh, indeed. Um, we can make quick work of Dr. Death, because here's what I'm going to say to you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's this. Honestly, I don't think this is I don't know what. I'm not sure how much this has to do with anything specific about this season of Dr. Death or the single solitary episode that I watched, which will be the only Uh-oh. episode. You only, you only watched one. OK, that I watched. Yeah, because I made a decision. Um, And I. I'm sure I'll break this based on how we make decisions on this podcast, but, but how I felt as I certainly had the time and made the decision not to watch a second episode of Dr. Death is that I simply don't, I don't need this. I don't need a dramatization, a largely speculative dramatization of a horrible thing that really happened. I don't, I don't, it doesn't, it does me no good. I don't think it's especially artful, and well, okay. Well, wait, hold on. Did I'm you not feel sure of the value of it. Because season one is also a thing that a horrible thing that happened, right? You did. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is better or worse than season one. I didn't finish season one, and oh, you didn't. Okay. No, no and I, I don't want to watch this. I, w- I wish I'd known that before I suggested. <laughs> well, I. I can't honestly maybe I did finish season one I can't even remember if I finished it or not I definitely watched a lot more of it um but I just don't care and if I and to the extent that I do care I'd rather listen to the podcast or watch a a 90 minute documentary about it I don't want to see the speculation about why this reporter slept with the charming doctor and a dramatization of something that we don't actually know the details of for for entertainment because I'm not entertained. I'm horrified. I'm frustrated. I'm depressed that we live in a world where stuff like this is happening all the time and I don't see the value in making art out of this horrible thing. I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of it. And well, I just didn't want to I, I mean, to me, I think it's really interesting. You right? you have this like it's a mystery, right? You're you're trying to figure out if this guy um, is just sort of a narcissist or incompetent or like or truly horrifyingly evil. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah, and I guess uh, in the end, and it's very it's it's it could be any of those things. You know what right. I mean? I find that fascinating. Well, um, I guess here's my here's where I stand on this, and this is the this is what I think I really realized this week. Um, and I mentioned to you before the podcast, I've been watching, I've been picking up and sh- and sort of uh, binging the murder at the end of the world. And 
I would rather... I, I do find that distinction interesting. But not in real life. Mm. Because in real life, it doesn't matter. In real life, this guy killed a bunch of people. And there's a bunch of dead people. And I think I just find it... I find the philosophical question of of evil versus, you know, doing damage by mistake, like, that person, that that theoretical person is fascinating. In the real world, I think we're asking a meaningless question about a tragic situation and ultimately coming to an answer based on speculation. And, like, that feels... But how do you know? Like, I mean, it feels I will nasty say, to me. It feels I, nasty. I this, like, if you only watch one, because uh, I'm in like five or six right now, mm-hmm. um, it it doesn't really get much rolling after the first one, and you're not really into any of of the. There's not a lot of tragedy yet, right? So, um, I don't no, know that, that after that... one, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I guess technically you're avoiding whatever horrible thing might happen to horrible people, but I don't know. How deeply you understand the dilemma here? You know what I mean? Um, well, no, I just but that's my point. I I don't. I'm not saying I understand the dilemma. I'm saying I don't care to explore that distinction. Like my to the extent that I care about this guy, it's that he's not able to do this to anybody else. And beyond that, I don't care if he was trying to save the world or be a serial killer. I really don't. At the end of the day, a bunch of people are dead because of either his evil or his recklessness. And I don't care which one it is when we're talking about real dead people. I just don't. Yeah. I don't know. Like, well, look, if you're going, you know, going back to the first season, um, I thought the role that the system plays in covering this stuff like this up, I think, was also really interesting and, and, and explored very well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, you know what I mean? I'm not, and and again, that's why I'm saying I don't know that I have any meaningful feedback on the show. I have meaningful feedback on myself, which is that I'd rather you spent the millions of dollars that you spent hiring Joshua Jackson on fixing the system. (laughs) Well, clearly they didn't spend the million dollars on the cast this year. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but but my point stands. You know, Uh, like I don't, I don't think. I don't think this. I, I don't think this entertainment has value, and I, I, I am. I am increasingly frustrated by the quantity of our entertainment that is speculative bullshit based on real world tragedy. Yeah. All right. Um, I, like, I certainly feel that way about season one. I, season two maybe will fall into that category if we finish it. I don't know. It. It's season two from a dramatic television series uh, execution level. Um, it, it's clearly not quite up to just from a storytelling level. Uh, it's not quite up to the first, and it wasn't just right. It wasn't just they hired Joshua Jackson, right? Christian Slater, Alec Baldwin, Grace Gummer, Kelsey yep. Rammer. Yeah, like you know, they went in on season one, right? Um, and, they did not and go one, in on season two, and also just but, like, but, I, I mean, I, if we're comparing this to Murder at the End of the World, which is a, um. Uh, it's a mystery. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, no, mystery was mystery was the second word I was looking for. Um, Murder mystery. Toothless, <laughs> toothless, lame, feckless. I don't know. 
Um, just, uh, just you know, put your adjective for milk toast lukewarm um, in front of mystery. Um, I, 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 I don't really think it is. But again, I bring it up not so much to compare the shows as to simply say I'd rather I'd rather ask these philosophical questions about humanity regarding made up mysteries than graft yeah, them yeah, I mean, onto real world like, tragedies. Like yeah, Clive Owen is not Elon Musk, but he's not not Elon Musk either, you know what I mean? See, I don't I think if you watched more, he is not Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Um and I've watched like I've never watched none. I, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm more than four episodes into that show. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. Uh, anyway, we'll talk about that next week because this is an over. Yeah, I and and I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you that that's the greatest show. I am it's- simply saying, I just don't want to watch this. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I have run out of time, so kind of uh, in the same way I didn't want to watch Dahmer, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah, I, I get you on that. I get you on that. Uh, I did want to say, by the way, that uh, I am loving the season of Fargo, particularly last night's episode. So, um, no spoilers because I yep, I like to save a few at a time and then and then slam them down. You know. Um. All right. So here's your homework. We mentioned uh, Murder at the End of the World. We're going to finish that. Um, there's also Rebel Moon on Netflix. It's a big movie. Uh, Netflix is splashing all over the front page. You can find it. Uh, and The Brother's Son, uh, which premieres this week, that is a Michelle Yeh. I think it's Yo, but I don't yep. know. Just Man, like I, I don't for sure know, know how to... No. It's not yeah. good. I don't know how to pronounce Barry Keegan or Q and either, for sure. Sure. Respect to you, Oscar-nominated people. I apologize. They're all wonderful performers that we don't know how to pronounce <laughs> their last names. But Barry and Michelle, um, we've always loved you uh, in the White House and out of it. There you go. All right. Um, you guys are great. Thank you. And uh, talk to you next week. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The light's out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling. And the jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.